Welcome to the Love Thy Neighbor Podcast Network. I'm your host, uh, Anthony Wilson. Um, and today um, we've got a great opportunity to dive into a subject that a lot of you have asked me about. And so I found somebody who knows a lot about it. Um, he's traveled across the country <laughs> uh, dealing with this particular subject. I want to welcome you, uh, Brother Vocab Malone. Welcome to the Love Thy Neighbor Podcast Network. What's going on, Anthony? Thanks for having me on. Glad to be here, brother. Hey, man, I'm glad to have you, man. And this is definitely uh, uh, an honor um, to be able to to catch you, man. Uh, I, I know you're busy and we've been trying to work this out for a while, but God has blessed us and graced us with a moment. And so we're going to take full advantage of that. Exactly. Um, so here we go. Here we here we go. Um vocab man could you tell um our listeners just a little bit about you um you know what it is you do and what's your passion as far as your ministry sure yeah i mean um i got into apologetics defending the gospel through street evangelism primarily you know there's multiple things that feed into it but that definitely was a major aspect and so I'll be out in different areas talking to people. They ask questions. You get deeper into apologetics. I already had an interest and already even had some limited training. But the street evangelism situation that uh, I was being involved with weekly uh, during this time really just skyrocketed forward, forward. So I literally started doing most of my apologetics engagement on the street, like an actual physical street in the city and um you know i would do some stuff online as well and uh this and that and it just kind of snowballed over time and i kept on wanting to get more and more training in those areas i kept on engaging in more places from radio to to internet uh to, to more street stuff and i would just encounter different people different groups different ideas and i'm intellectually curious so i love hearing about what people believe and uh it's fascinating to me, you know, so it's not, um, I have a natural interest as well. Um, but ultimately, you know, want to show people the gospel, want to have some idea where they're at. So hopefully the gospel can be presented in a way that by God's grace, uh, makes sense within their understanding. Uh, ultimately we rely on the Holy spirit to open up the heart. Like he did, uh, the Bible says to Lydia in the book of acts, for example, but as this happens, um, there's the common groups you run into, like in Arizona, there's a lot of Mormons, Anthony. Okay. If you're in Colorado, I bet you got a lot of Mormons there. You know, that general area, Four Corners area, there's a lot there. Uh, Roman Catholics, a lot of Hispanics, a lot of Catholics, you know, this and that. But I started getting kind of into lesser traveled paths, specifically um, Salafi Islam, Muslims who are considered conservative or traditional or orthodox, or some people may even say militant or radical, those types of Muslims, not the only ones I talked to, but that was some of the areas I started focusing in. And Hebrews or lights. I had some friends tell me about them. I watched some videos, kind of forgot about it to a certain extent, but then I started running into them in real life and it kind of came back to memory, had a conversation, uploaded it. All these people wanted to know more. And I was like, what what's this uh why i mean i'm talking to atheists i'm talking what, what, what's the this interest from people i've never heard before in this thing 
So um, I realized that it was mainly because people, I think, were starved for resources. And, uh, you know, these Hebrew Israelite groups have kind of been getting a free pass, you know, just taking nonstop jabs at the Christian church. And mm. people wanted answers. So I started to get involved with providing them and um, then witnessing to the Hebrew Israelites, but also going against them. Because part of apologetics, in my mind, is defense. And uh, you, you, you defend the gospel against attacks. Um, but you're also there's a, a sense I think in what you you defend um, the, the the church the the flock you know not that an apologist is a pastor but a pastor is supposed to be a shepherd they're supposed to defend you know lead feed protect uh, every Christian should ultimately have that same kind of idea it's not just a professional or people with the title right they should care about that when it comes to God's people and so so I would also come against them, you know, polemics, which is attack their ideas as well. You know, not not those people, like lots of Hebrews, lights as people. It's just never been personal with me. There's a lot of bad ideas there, racist ideas, bad ideas, just based upon bad archaeology. You know, false claims, meme theology. Theology literally derives some someone making a meme and someone essentially adopting a theological position from something that's still on a meme. This really happens. This kind of thing of uh, bad teachers, bad mentors, dreams and visions kind of, kind of out there types of, I'm not saying God doesn't speak to that. I mean, I, I know Joseph, but what I'm saying is that's also a way uh, for people to uh, essentially usurp God's authority with this special personal revelation they've had. And to be honest, I've noticed a lot of Hebrews like leaders do that. And uh, you would hear that and uh, people will be, having confirmed to them that they were a Jew because an angel told them. Now, I'm not saying that's all they say, but I'm just saying you just see this mix of bad ideas, bad theology, bad practice. It goes from, I uh, love my my Filipino wife. She's a wonderful woman, to I have to divorce my Filipino wife because she's not on the 12 tribes chart, and therefore I shouldn't be mixed with a member of another nation, and uh, now it affects children and everything else, right? And so you look at that and you go, man, this Dear Lord, you know, so I don't only talk about Hebrew Israelites. I talk about other areas in urban apologetics, especially, but not just areas in urban apologetics, but that's kind of a specialty things that affect the city directly right there. And, um, and, uh, you know, I'm just another guy. There's a bunch of us on the internet, guys and gals trying to do stuff. A bunch of us hitting the streets and uh, I'm just one of many. I'm glad to be part of it. Well, I definitely appreciate, you know, the ministry that you have, because you're right. A lot of people don't have the resources. And so by you engaging uh, the different groups, you know, one on one um, uh, debates, I've seen you do debates mm-hmm. um, uh, with 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 different groups. And um, those resources are, are equipping the saints because a lot of people don't even know how to engage the conversation. They don't even know where to start when someone comes to them. And, you know, says something like, you know, uh, Jesus didn't die for the whole world. He only died for these individuals. And they read mm-hmm. John three sixteen to you and say, do you know what this really means? And you're like, oh, yeah, for God so love the world. No, not the whole world. Right. <laughs> you know, and you're like, whoa, you know. And so you, you, a lot of people are just at a disadvantage without um, guys like you. And did an interview a couple of months back with uh uh, Mike Winger, and I know uh, you you mm. probably uh, sat with him before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, another guy that very sound in his doctrine. Um, and we, we need guys like you. And so I definitely appreciate what you do. Um, so as far as apologetics itself, um, a lot of people would say apologetics is just arguing. 
It's just, you know, you know, stirring up trouble. You know, wh- what would you say to that? Why is apologetics necessary? And how do you do it without it just being an argument? Well, I mean, the apostles stirred up trouble. <laughs> not saying I'm an apostle, but I mean, you read the book of Acts. They may not have intended to, but I think sometimes they did intend to, especially Paul. Um, well, look, um, there's some interesting passages in all seriousness, speaking of the book of Acts, in Acts that I think give us a good model for some of this. Now, um, if you want something more didactic that's not an example, I think it makes sense to go to the classic text, 1 Peter 3.15. That's not the only one, but it's a great one, you know, and uh, before before I go to 1 Peter 3.15, let me show you one here, right? Jude 3. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. That word contend there does mean to fight for. It means you are contending for it earnestly. And uh, that's for the gospel, basically, right? And then you look at 1 Peter 3.15, and then it's a beautiful little thing, and it's interesting to think this this command, right, ultimately given by the Lord, but giving, given through the Apostle Peter, it's to everybody, and it's given by a fisherman. <laughs> but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Amen. And then it goes on. There's much more we could read in that to get better context. But basically, there's a reality that uh, we present the gospel, and it's not like everybody automatically agrees and believes. And so if we're going to have any kind of a conversation, you got to give an answer, a reason for why you believe what you believe. Those apostles, uh, they pointed to the Old Testament. It's interesting because they could have just kind of said again and again, Hey, I saw him raised from the dead, which they saw him after he was alive, rather. Uh, that's true. You know, Peter did witness to the resurrection or to the resurrected Lord, to be more specific. Well, yet he's pointing to Old Testament passages, right? Not that he denies his eyewitness count, the fact that he saw them, but he also wanted something, for example, when you're talking to a Jewish person that they had access to the scriptures. So he points to Old Testament prophecy and acts chapter two that sermon he gives peter points to prophecies about david Mm -hmm. but then says it can't just be david because david's dead over there so whose flesh isn't seeing corruption or decay who's that about obviously it's messianic fascinating stuff right now here we are in acts 18 verse 24 and it says now a jew named apollo so greek name so he might have been raised in a hellenized hostel we don't know but he's a jew text says it verse 24 a native of Alexandria, so he's an African. Now, the continent wasn't called Africa then, but place we would now refer to as Africa, specifically he's North Africa, Egypt, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. So notice the gospel's already spread. How is it that an African Jew knows about the gospel? Most likely it happened probably after Acts chapter 2. I mentioned people dispersed back to where they were. Came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures, He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, 
So this guy knows the Bible and knows something about Jesus. And being fervent in spirit, he's passionate. He spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. So he was accurate in what he knew, but he still had more to learn. It's a good model for an apologist, not to be all arrogant, be accurate in what you know, but then have more, you know. Now, there's not an office of apologist, but it's just a, it's an understanding, just like we might say evangelist. Now, someone will say, yeah, but evangelist is mentioned. Well, apologist is not in the same way in the sense of apologia, 1 Peter 3.15, that word, defend, give a reason, that's what the word is, and that's where the title apologist came from, right? And look what it says here. He spoke and taught accurately the things concerning John, even though Jesus, I'm sorry, though he only knew the baptism of John, verse 26, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And here's what I really wanted to focus on, verse 27 uh, and 28. Watch this. And he, when he wished, that's Apollos, when he wished to cross Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. So know this, um, he, he's in community, too. That's important for apologists to be in community. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed. So notice he is an encouragement to local believers. These are the ones he's just now meeting. Luke emphasizes that you believe through grace. Notice that who through grace had believed. He greatly helped them, though. So he's strengthening them. He's encouraging. Well, how is that? The next verse is the answer. For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. So he's encouraged them because he is defeating an argument mm-hmm. Jewish leaders. Now, he's a Jew, so you know when, when uh, Luke used the word the Jews here, understand this is referring to unbelieving Jews. He powerfully, powerfully refutes them in public. Showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. Now, do you think they liked that? No, I bet they did not like that, right? Now, who knows? Maybe some of them came to faith. We don't know. But we know it encouraged and strengthened the believers. That's seen as the good thing. And in fact, uh, Apollos was so effective in his ministry that at some point, people even tried to create a faction around him. That's what the yeah, book, did, part yeah. of what the book of First Corinthians is. In the beginning, chapter 1, 2, and all that, which is interesting because if you think about it, uh, people were saying, oh, I'm part of the Paul party. Paul's my guy. I'm part of the, the Cephas. You know, Peter, I go back old school more. Well, I'm, I'm not with either. I'm part of the Jesus party. And uh, some said, I'm of Apollos. Now, think about that. You got Peter, you got Paul, Jesus. And somehow, Apollos was so uh, effective that he's in the conversation. Now, none of these guys wanted this. They were not encouraging. They were discouraging this factionalism that had developed there at the Corinthian church. But it's interesting that people look to Apollos in that way as well. And it seems because of you know how the Lord is using them in this arena, obviously, would have had something to do with it. So the point is that you can argue in apologetics, but hopefully because of the Lord's spirit, that's not all you're doing. And um, arguments don't have to be hostile per se. I mean, the Christian shouldn't be hostile. Now, if the opponent person you're dis- if they're all hostile, as long as you're not sort of the direct cause, meaning you don't call in the names and all that kind of thing, then okay, people get upset. People got upset at Jesus. He, he wasn't. He he didn't he didn't um, you know it's not like we would fault Jesus because the Pharisees were upset at him, but he's clearly engaging in theological debate and dialogue. He's asking them questions. They try to trip him up and said he trips them up. You see all this, and you see apologetics is ultimately very conversational, but it has to be very biblical, rooted in Scripture. Ultimately, that's the ultimate source that we start from and we go to in our ultimate authority. And I think we add wisdom that correlates with that along the way 
But the Bible should be the foundation. That's why the Bible says a couple times in the book of Acts that they are reasoning from the scriptures. So what for my understanding of apologetics, the, the scripture has to be the foundation. You don't start with philosophy, for example, or a tactic. You develop those things out of your theology first. Theology has to be driving it. And the theology is just a systematic, hopefully somewhat complete understanding of what the Bible says about any given topic. And you have to have some handle on that to do apologetics in the modern world. Now, depending on the group, you might need to know more about one thing and less about another. You know, it's just how it is. Um, and you just you just go from there. So, anyways, it can be arguments, but um, you know. Half these people saying it, you know, they're all, they'll argue with their wife. You know, they won't, they don't want to argue about Jesus. You know, saying so it's like, bro, you might as well argue, make it for the Lord, and not do it in sin, right? Right, right, right. And, you know, and I, and um, I thought about while you were talking, you know, because the Book of Acts does give us a lot of examples. And um, Acts chapter six uh, is a young man, Stephen, um, and Stephen was full of faith and power. And uh, there was a group of men, you know, opposing him and they could not stand up. They could not stand up to his wisdom, you know, in Acts chapter six. And um, that led to this long discourse, an entire chapter of discourse where he began to preach from the word. He starts in, you know, Genesis and goes all the way through. And by the end of Acts chapter seven, they're stoning him. They're so Mm -hmm. mad at him. (laughs) they're so angry at him that they're stoning him and all he's doing is preaching the word of God as a matter of fact there's a verse that says his his face looked like an angel (laughs) you know so he wasn't you know mean or evil like you were saying he just was expressing the truth and sometimes the truth like you said with Jesus and the Pharisees Jesus would express the truth and they would get irate you know and be ready to kill him so many times they were like oh they sought to kill him you keep, you know, and Paul, the same thing, Stephen, uh, not known by a whole lot of people except for that, you know, but Stephen was the same way. He just spoke the truth and, and people were angry at him. And so uh, as an apologist, and, and I think of an apologist as um, really a teacher of the word, um, because what you're doing is explaining what the word says. Um, yes, your, your heart is to defend uh, the gospel to defend the truth. But like you said, you have to have a real handle, you know, on doctrine, you've got to know what the Bible says, in order to, you know, uh, engage in apologetics, um, specifically. Um, and you said, you know, you you deal with a lot of people, but specifically, here in Colorado, as of late, um, there's a rise of uh, Hebrew Israelism. And um, I really believe that people need to know who they are, how to engage them, um, and, and what are some of the fundamental um, um, disconnects between historical biblical Christianity and what Hebrew Israelites espouse as the gospel? Because I don't even know what their gospel is. What is their message of, of hope? You know, uh, what, what's, what's your take on that? Yeah, when it comes to uh, Hebrew Israelites and the gospel, um, there are somewhat different versions um but you're hard pressed to find a hebrew israelite of any variety of any camp or any denomination one west non one west so-called moderate so-called not whatever whatever who doesn't have some version of 
their salvation being dependent upon their ability to keep the law. Mm. So when you read the book of Galatians and read about what are sometimes called Judaizers, those are folks who uh, try to Judaize the gospel. And then when Gentiles got saved, they try to Judaize those Gentiles, basically along the lines of, I'm glad you accept Jesus Christ on the cross. That's good. But there's something else you need to do. I mean, don't you know Jesus was a Jew and he kept the law? Now, why would you as a Gentile come along and change something we've been doing for thousands of years? If you say you want to be part of this family, it will be part of this family it means to be in Israel. And if you're going to be in Israel, you need to be circumcised, for example. You, you need to do that, uh, you know, all these kinds of things. And um, the gospel message is not keep the law as a requirement for salvation or to maintain your salvation or anything like that, because that's an impossibility. And that's the discussion in Galatians. It's no one has been able to keep the law. That's not why the law was given in that way. Um, if Christ died on the cross, why would you then turn to the law to save you? If it's finished via the cross, wouldn't that make the cross pointless? All these different arguments and even, you know, shows how the old Testament points to what Jesus had did and this and, and what should the Gentile state be? Now, we talk about a group like IUIC, and IUIC is there in Denver. I got a, um, I'm looking here at IUIC Denver. They're right here, they're on, um, they're on uh, Instagram, for example. And uh, they've got uh, almost, almost 2,000 followers, not quite yet. And, then, and I'm just looking through their IG. It looks like their IG is mainly reposting other other uh kind of camp propaganda from iuic that's the guys in purple and gold they're based out of new york and so you got iuic uh denver right there if you talk talk, talk to them um th you know they act like they're keeping the law because they wear fringes and don't eat pork and uh you know observe on this on the sabbath but it's pretty bizarre if you go out on a saturday in denver if you look for the guys in purple and gold you'll find them out there on the microphone, lugging their equipment around, passing out flyers. It looks to me like they're not resting at all. So it's so funny, you know, these groups get on, they get on Christians like IUIC. I'm bringing up Denver because that's where you are. They'll be like, hey, you know, uh, we're keeping the law, this and that. And then you see them out there on Saturday, the day of rest. They're, the way they observe the law is by yelling at people and by telling Africans they're going to be uh, in servitude forever. Right. Because uh, the Hebrews lights of this one West variety, like IUIC, they don't think they're African. I just watched a video of them in Toronto, and they were saying, "Oh, that person's a Hamite. They're not. They're not a Semite." So they even make a distinctions between people of African descent. They think they're people who just went through the continent of Africa, whereas these Africans are essentially native to it. So one are Hamites, one are Semites. There just happens to be similar of what a phenotypical similarity, but really you can kind of tell by the spirit and the vibe, as well as the teaching they accept or don't accept, and uh, they'll claim they're keeping the law. And so Paul shows, and it's not just Paul, but Paul shows that if you're adding anything onto the gospel of grace, you don't have a gospel at all. It's so like if you preach another Jesus, you're not actually preaching Jesus. And so they're adding something to the gospel of grace, and it's it's a sham because they're not even really doing what they would say they do. Like it's not just no one can keep the law. They're not even doing the basic things you really could do. You know, they, they'll say they celebrate the Feast of Israel, for example. Um, ask these guys, do you spend seven whole days in the tent? 
you know, do you I've, I haven't met a Hebrews light who does. Maybe they're out there. I kind of feel like they'd be lying to me if they told me they did. Where's the Hebrews light who actually takes seven days? Aren't you supposed to sleep in the tent seven days? And it just goes on and on the list of violations they have of things that they, 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 in the course of saying they keep the law, things they clearly don't do. And um, it's so there's this moralizing uh, obligation they put on people. And uh, it's never worked. That's not why the law was given. It was a tutor, it was a schoolmaster, supposed to bring you to something or someone else, right? right. And uh, they don't understand that. So they accuse Christians basically of being antinomian, which is lawless people. They don't call us antinomian. I don't think they know the term of that heresy, but that's essentially what they, oh, you can do whatever. I know why he went back into the church. He wants to go eat, uh, he wants to go eat swine with Pastor Porkchop. They always refer to black pastors as Pastor Porkchop. That's a common slur. I'm specifically talking about IUIC now, mm. since I know they're in your backyard. That's why I'm bringing right, them up right. particularly, because I know they're, I don't know what street corner they're on, but I could probably watch their videos and eventually figure it out. But, um, you know, they, they're constantly slurring the Christian church as a place where women are out of control and you're encouraged to love your enemies who hate you like the white man and other nations as well. And uh, you're turned into soft, effeminate, perhaps even worse, if you know what I mean. And uh, you you uh, a place where your kids aren't taught anything about the Bible and uh, you, there's no true community, you know. And but if you come here to IUIC, we'll teach you who you are. We'll show you true brotherhood and sisterhood. We'll try, We'll teach you how to be a man or woman of God according to the scripture, not according to this Christian church nonsense. We'll show you the proper way to eat. We'll show you the proper way to dress. We'll show you how to study this Bible for real with something we do called the precepts. And we have all these quizlets set up online. It's actually called Quizlet where we're going to go through these precepts. So we're going to show you how to understand each thing, unlike the Christian church where the pastor is supposed to have all the answers. We're going to teach you. Um, we're going to, you know, you get on the list. Now this is IUIC Denver, specifically the kind of appeals that they would make to people. And, um, you know, when you say it loud enough and strong enough, and especially say a person has had some bad experiences, it actually can be quite convincing and uh, appealing to a lot of people. And that's why Hebrewism is growing, not shrinking. And that's why there does need to be something done about it. I don't mean outlawing it. I don't mean that nonsense. I mean, the Christian church taking the gospel to these guys and saying, look, here's what the gospel actually is. And it starts with the person of God. You don't have a triune God. You don't have a Jesus who is truly God. Your, your Jesus is created. So you don't even have the right people or persons involved in the first place. You think the Holy Spirit is the law. Hmm. They, so that's their understanding. This is IUIC. Other groups say something different. GOCC says something different. Israel of God says something different. They think it's an angel. But it's but uh, the reason I say it because they don't look at the Holy Spirit as a person as He is. Right. So you go down the the list and you're like, there's a lot of problems. So regardless of what Hebrews likes to tell you, they can be the kindest, gentlest. They don't have to be yelling on a microphone. They can be sweethearts. Start asking about who God is and what the gospel is. And if you're a Christian who knows a little bit of doctrine, you'll find they almost always give sub biblical, sometimes even straight up heretical answers to these basic questions. And that's why this isn't about. Hey, if you want to wear fringes, cool, go ahead. If you want to go out on the street on Saturday, cool, go ahead, right? First of all, they make those things binding on other people. So it's not just us saying, hey, you can do that if you want. They make it binding, really. But not only that, it's like, this is a different gospel. This is a different Jesus. This is a different God. Uh, This is not something that encourages 
Christian virtues. This is something that really encourages worldly vice. And I don't mean drinking and smoking or something like that. I mean, this teaches you to not care about people who look different than you. IUIC specifically, they say, we don't hate white people. We don't hate Ishmaelites. That's their term for Arabs. We don't hate um, Hamites. That's a term for Africans. We don't hate any of them. We just don't care about them. We don't, we're building our own nation. We don't have time for that. Why would I hate them? There's just, they're nothing. They're nothing to the most high. They're nothing to me. We, we don't hate them. We don't care. And, uh, you know, you people, actually, you're the ones who hate us. So when you see us loving our own people, you interpret it as hate for you. But just because we're not bound down, you know, serving you doesn't mean we hate you. We just don't care about you. That's not our job to hate you. The most high is going to deal with you. We'll deal with our own people and just leave it at that. Now, again, I'm, I'm imitating the rhetoric of IUIC because I know they're there in Denver. Other groups say something slightly different. For example, Zabak in New York House of Israel, he'll say, yes, I hate you. We do hate you. <laughs> he'll say, because oh, I remember I saw a video in uh, Zabak who says he's a priest. So these guys still use these Old Testament titles, right? He, uh, someone's like, well, that's very hateful. It sounds like you hate me. He's like, I just told you I hated you. Yeah, I hate you. Oh, <laughs> I thought it was funny, you know. So you got to be ready to deal with some of these guys on the street. So there's different varieties. They usually accuse me of painting them all with a broad brush. I can tell you the differences between groups. And it's true they're not all in the corner. It's true that uh, some will emphasize grace a little bit more. It's true that some of them almost sound Trinitarian, but when they, they're closer to oneness, it's like every, there's like these gradations. But Hebrewism, if it was just a claim, I'm an Israelite, okay, let's look into that. You probably aren't right. Even if you were, it's not a point of bragging in the, in the, in the right. light of the cross, uh, whatever. But Hebrewism acts as a magnet. It's a magnet. And it attracts all sorts of false doctrine with it. You mm. can't find a Hebrew Israelite who's just a Hebrew Israelite. People's lives don't work that way because then you say, okay, now I look at the Old Testament prioritized over the new. So then you emphasize the law over grace. Now, I'm not saying that's really the, the, the testimony of the testaments, but I'm saying that's what happens with people. Or, well, I don't see the Trinity is clear here. I don't believe in Trinity. Now, I'm not saying the Trinity is contrary to Old Testament teaching. It's not, but I'm saying these things follow and come together. Because it's almost like what happened at the cross is so reinterpreted. It's like it never happened. It's like we still have to work. We still have to. And that's why a lot of these groups will say we're not in the new covenant. They'll say we're in the in-between times, and Jesus didn't even come to make a new covenant. Some will say they'll say he came to renew the covenant. Like uh, there's this one group called ARC, and uh, they teach that Israel's relationship with Most High was so bad, Jesus had to come basically reset it. Like when you hit the reset button on your, you know, your Nintendo game or something back in the day. So I go start over. He's kind of like giving them a, that fresh game starting over a renewed covenant, but you still got to keep the law and everything else. Was, why would you think you do wait the law? Haven't you read Matthew chapter five? You know, that kind of thing. So I want people to not hate Hebrew Israelites, but I want them to be on guard against Hebrew Islamism. You, I don't think people understand how, um, deceptive and insipid i think is the word this doctrine is and you give you give basically the devil a foothold and it'll end up taking over your church and i and also i don't think people understand how divisive hebrewism is not just between uh, black and white but between all nations that they view is not on their chart and also even amongst uh, people who are supposed to be in the same community, because how are they going to get along, uh, you know, when they're like accusing the Christian church of being, you know, deceptive and all of this. I mean, the Nation of Islam says that kind of stuff about the Christian church, too. But what's funny is 
the nation of Islam, still you can find them where they find excuses to work together with the Christians, like in Chicago, say for some food drive or something like that. Now, I'm not saying that that means we're all saved or anything ecumenical. A lot of times it's more moderate Christian churches. But my point is people think of the nation of Islam, they think this is like a hate group. Hebrew Israelites are worse than nation of Islam. They, they work <laughs> with nobody, really, most of them. They say much worse kind of stuff about the Christian church. I mean, and a lot, it's a much, <laughs> and then when you talk about groups like Sakari and GMS, who there's a GMS Denver, these are groups who teach some crazy stuff. They teach you can lie to non, non-believers, outsiders, you can steal from them. In GMS's case, in the future, you're going to be able to uh, rape their women as long as their women aren't married with ease. So their women become sex slaves in the kingdom. Uh, this is GMS wow. specifically. And again, you have a GMS Denver. I just saw a video of them in Colorado Springs as well. And so there's gradations, and uh, Sakari's named after Jewish assassins, and then we're surprised when they encourage violence against people. They'll say, we're not doing violence. We're just self-defending, but you'll notice they start, they start the altercations themselves. A lot of times on the street, they push the drunk person first, this kind of thing, because I've watched hours and hours of, of video, and I kind of know, know some patterns that tend to emerge from some of the groups. So this is a serious thing. can't be all fixed or discussed in one interview right right but people right. willing to be on guard you basically cannot be careful enough when it comes to hebrewism because you let your guard down and uh you think you're on the same page and it's all good you've been you've been i can't tell you how many people have been snookered and tricked and they call me later i'm like well actually you're right man he was uh, he was just playing a game he was leading our bible study he said he was going to be a hebrews light and a christian but uh a year later after i talked to you he took half the church and and now they've got a hebrews light congregation and they're saying we're all in a uh the, we're the ones who are, who are in error she, she had never once he once he came out and said i'm a hebrews light i'm this and that you it should have been like the immediate red flag be, now again they'll try to be like Oh, you can do because there's these there's this new movement of Christian Hebrews lights coming out. Yeah, yeah. they're trying to take this moderating stance. Uh, first of all, it's not gonna. I don't think it's gonna last because it's very individual, idiosyncratic. It's not like there's really an official camp that pushes this kind of mushy mouth kind of thing. But uh, it's it's pretty dishonest because when you analyze what they believe, you're like. Well, that ain't Christian. What do you what do you what do you mean? That's not Christian. What are you what are you talking about? That's that's not that's not apostolic. That's not biblical. That's all and some of them, you start talking to them, they don't even believe the writings of Paul or scripture. They believe the gospels have been mutilated. Uh now not all, but you it's really important to ask these groups their sources of authority. A lot of them will discount Paul and accept the apocrypha. So mm-hmm. we're de- we're yeah. backwards right away. Like Sakari does that, Ron Shields, Kingdom Harbinger, they do something. So, so you're like, okay, bro, we're starting from radically different places through and through, right? And then, you know, other nations, the hardcore guys say, you're going to be our slaves in the kingdom. Yeah. <laughs> ISUPK will say that, for example. The moderate or nice ones will say, you can be in, like GOCC will say this, Israel of God will say this, you can be in if you're not one of us. But you can't teach anybody who's not of your same nation. So they, they have this classification system that's essentially a racial hierarchy, right? It's, that's all it is. They call it the protocol. Wow. I just debated a guy on this, the so-called protocol. God's a God of order. Here's the order. 
Judahites, everybody else, <laughs> basically. <laughs> and so you can't, you know, you can't have teaching authority. You can't do this. You can't do that. Uh, you have to come through an Israelite to receive salvation. You have to go through one of the gates. So they essentially make another mediator between God and man <laughs> themselves. You know, you're like, Jesus is the mediator. You're right. I come through an Israelite, but it's only one Israelite. And you need to come through that same Israelite. No, right. no, you got to come through one of the gates in Revelation. But why does Jesus call himself the door then? <laughs> if that's what that, that that's if that's what that means you know what i'm saying and uh you, you look jesus is the door he is the entryway and belief upon him is what makes you a son or daughter of god john one to them who believed he gave the right to be the sons of god oh uh, they might these people in the crowd stop praising the servant I'll, I'll get the rocks to do it we don't need sons of abraham we'll get rocks or some Gentiles, maybe. I mean, I'm adding that part in there, but I'm saying that's kind of what Romans 9 through 11 is partially about. Uh, but these guys reinterpret words like Gentiles. And, of course, they think they're not Gentiles. Truth be known, most of these men and women in these camps are, are, are most likely Gentiles according to the flesh when it comes to that data. Uh, let me stop there because you only asked like one question and I kind of went on a tirade. <laughs> I'm sorry about that, Anthony. I'm not a good interview guy. No, 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 no. I mean, you're, you're giving kind of the insight you know, that, that we need, you know, um, you talked about a couple of different things, like you said, especially your last point is that a lot of these guys, according to the flesh, you know, are not Israelites, you know, uh, so, so often. And then any type of, um, any type of action to figure out who you are. So like, say you go through ancestry.com or you go and you actually do some DNA and all the white man is, is twisted that. So you can't trust, you know, your DNA and all that kind of stuff. And um, we know this spiritually, it's not something that you can know through any test or, you know, I've had, I've had that thrown at me because, you know, a guy be like, well, do you know who you are? I'm like, well, yeah, based upon my DNA, um, I'm from the Cameroon, <laughs> you know, and they'll say, well, what, whoa, wait a minute. No, you're, you're Israelite. You just don't know it yet. And if you don't know it, then you're probably not because this is something you got to know spiritually. Um, and so it's, it's, it's interesting how they, like you said, alienate, um, even black people from black people, you know, they can, you know, distinguish, uh, who we are. Uh, one guy said, well, I know who I am. Um, he said, um, uh, that the table of nations in um, uh, Genesis 10, where it talks about, you know, the Hamites, Semites, uh, mm -hmm, Jephites, mm -hmm. you know, he said, oh, well, they messed that up. They messed that up. That's, that's how I got confused. And, you know, uh, the Africans that are coming from the Hamites, they, they, they don't know who they are. You know, that got switched. You know, we're Israel. <laughs> like, wow. You know, they're really, really adamant about creating their narrative the way that they want to create it. And they won't follow interpretation rules. Um, they interpret things the way they want to interpret them. Um, one of the big things, I think, for those of us that um, engage them is really separating um, what, it, you know, I'll, I'll go there with Jesus. They're big on the Jesus of Revelations and how it proves that you know to be israelite is to be black jesus yeah. was black the you past, know pass this out right here <laughs> right you know yeah, there it is hey know? check it out <laughs> jesus jesus uh leaves the earth when he's about 33 right right 
Does this guy look like he's 33? And then he's 63. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought that was funny, man. They got the true image of Christ. <laughs> he lived two lifetimes, man. But, uh, the, you know, the funny thing about this is when you, uh, when you look at this, it's been, it's been uh, essentially documented that they used facial features as a composite of several of their leaders to make this image of Christ. Right, right. right. Uh, this is, again, this is one particular camp. Yeah. Okay, this is not all Hebrewites, but this is one people in Denver, for example. I know your podcast goes all over the world, but I just like to uh, talk about those things. This is a common flyer IUIC will hand out, and then <clears throat> they'll have this true image of Christ in here. And then they'll go to Revelation chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. Yep. Here it's printed, his head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet were like undefined brass. As if they burned in a furnace and his voice is the sound of many waters. So that's all they quote from Revelation 1, right? Uh, a few things about this. One is um, from their own, from their, their, let's just say that this was how Jesus looked, right? And let's say that Revelation basically was telling everyone the point of Revelation 1, 14, 15 was to make sure people knew that Jesus was black. Let's just say that was true. That doesn't prove that any given person walking down the street is an Israelite. Right. It's the silliest argumentation. So they do, Jesus looked like you, brother. They'll say that. They'll, they, they'll say something like that, right? So uh, it's like, well, first of all, IUIC, they believe Hispanics and Native Americans are also Israelites. Right. So Jesus looked like, well, they can't, they can't say that to the, 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 the Mexican who they think is Issachar, right? They can't say that to Zebulon. They can't say that to the Dominicans that they think are Simeon usually. So they're only talking about some people, so that appeal is really emotional-based. But even if it was true about Jesus's phenotype, as they claim, what does that prove? It doesn't prove that you're an Israelite. <laughs> it would just say that Jesus hypothetically looked this way, but it doesn't say that. Even in this little section, you don't even have to open your Bible. Now, you could. It's better to. But let's just take this little section that they have here. His head and his hairs were white. Also, his head was white. So if someone's head is white, literally, we're going with a literal interpretation. <laughs> literal. Here, what color is the rest of their body? White. So if you have a big white head, how can you be a black? That that does a few things. One is it shows you this this passage is symbolic. It's from the freaking book of Revelation, people. My point is by saying that in that way is to remind everyone of this book being highly symbolic. Now that doesn't mean it's not literal. When something is symbolic, it has a literal meaning. Right. But the way it's getting there is through symbolism and imagery. And so his head and his hairs were white like wool. Hmm. So his head and his hair. So it sounds like his whole face is shining, kind of like Moses when he came off the mountain right. as he had been in the after presence of Yahweh. So this indicates divine intimacy. This, this indicates – because they don't even go to his head being white. But if you're going to be consistent with their interpretation, if his head is white, oh, so he's a white man then, right? <laughs> no, because that's not what it's saying. Right. And his hairs were white. So they'll focus on, nope, not even that. Now, they'll give him white hair. But it's just saying up here is all glow. That's what it's saying. Now, the focus on where it says white like wool. It's so obvious that it's color, not texture. Right. They'll say, well, it's both. Well, show me how it is both. <laughs> right. So is the is the texture of his head like wool? Or just right. the texture of the hair is like wool? 
because it's clearly color. If it was textured, then it, ha- it would have to refer to the head as well. So his, his head is like like wool? His right. head? But see, it's hairs. So what's it saying? It says it was white like wool. So very white wool, like pure wool. White, white, white. How do you know? Because the next line says as white as snow. So it's like his hair was white. How white was it? White as wool. His hair was white. How white was it? White as snow. snow. <laughs> it's actually poetic. It's pretty cool because I always ask him, okay, so the wool's a, a, a texture, right? Yeah, who else has wooly hair, they'll say. Uh, then I'll, I'll, I'll say, okay, so um, can you tell me the texture of snow? Because if, it, if it's texture in regards to the wool, then wouldn't it have to be texture in regards to the snow? Now, this is difficult sometimes to pull out on the street. They got a microphone and all that stuff. Right. But they they blast these at you real fast, so it's difficult to do what I'm doing. But you gotta have you gotta you gotta figure out a way to get it to be slowing down. I'm not saying by say so 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 so. You gotta just kind of figure out a clever way to kind of slow it down, put these things in there so people aren't fooled and deceived. Focus on this because see, check this out. This is actually powerful. His head. You think of the Old Testament illusion of Moses, right? This this has to do with 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 an, a being who is closely intimate with the father because this whole passage is about the majesty of Jesus. Mm -hmm. They make it about the ethnicity of Jesus. See, they're willing to trade Jesus's deity to make him black. Right. Right. But let him be God. Let him be God. Well, it also, it also with the Daniel, um, Daniel seven, where the son of man comes before the ancient of days. right? Right. And so, like you said, this imagery is about Jesus's connection to the father mm-hmm. and how being so close, so closely related to the father, Jesus then begins to say things that only the father could say about himself. You know, I am the first and the last, I'm the alpha and right. omega. Like, how is he saying the same things about himself that the father says, you know, that he is, he's talking about that intimate com- connection, not about the ethnicity. You'll see me return in power and glory on a cloud. What? That's Yahweh. What are you talking about? That's why right. ripped, the high priest ripped his clothes. <laughs> That's why he ripped his clothes. They don't believe was- he's God in an unqualified sense. They might say he's God, but what they mean is he's a created being. Right. They mean it like the way Arius meant it. Yeah. He's divine being. He's God, but like a Jehovah's Witness almost would mean it. They don't really mean that he is eternally with the Father. They don't mean that. And this is a fascinating thing because right in this little verse, Revelation 1, 14, his eyes were as a flame of fire. How is that an ethnic description? Right. IUIC actually does make it an ethnic description. They say when the so-called black man drinks, his eyes turn red. <laughs> so they basically have Jesus coming back as a 60-year-old man with a big bushy white beard, a little, a little tipsy, ready to a little tipsy, shot. <laughs> a little drunk. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and his feet were like un- undefined brass as if they burned in a furnace. So they'll say, now something burns, what color is it? People usually black, right? What they mean is when something is burnt, by the way. Right. Because when something is burning, it may not be black until it's burnt. Right. For example, metal. What color is metal when it burns? It's not black. And besides, the black here is ridiculous because they're talking about like a crispy dark. No one, no <laughs> right. one, well, very few people look the way that that image would be. Right? right. Right. This is referring to something as it burns. Now, ask yourself, which makes consistent use of the imagery? Because when you start with his head, it's white. His hair is white. You go to his feet. It's 
burn it looks like burning metal so this is bright imagery this is light it's 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 orange it's yellow it's red it's it's white it's shiny that is consistent with the imagery they've got he's up here and then his feet you, got, you see what i'm saying it's, it's a silly thing it's a silly thing the way they do it and They'll say as if they burned in a furnace. And even if you look up in the Greek, you'll see that it's being it's something that's happening continuously in the moment. And it, it, it and if you if you look up in the tents, and you'll see that it's not a past completed action. So it's not burnt, it's as if they burned, which means burning, as if they burned. It's right there, even in the KJV. If right. you trace it enough that you could see it. So they're right there, shine. Because see, it says his feet were like a defined brass. Well, if they're like a fine brass, then how would they be dark? Black, like they're burned up or whatever. What are you saying? No, it's saying they're sh- it's just shiny, man. This is again not ethnic. This is royalty, right? Right, brightness. Yeah. And his voice is the sound of many waters. And they literally will say, Well, you know, that's like Barry White, right? <laughs> or or right, James right. Earl Jones, I am your father, <laughs> right. you know, Simba. That they'll say is like the, the that's the first of all I'm, I'm thinking Mike Tyson and Michael Jackson first of all right? right so it's a silly stereotype right but I understand what they're trying to say but that's not what it's about and even in the little verse they have it proves it because Daniel ten six they have it under here yep and the yep. voice of his words was like the voice of a multitude so Daniel ten six is being alluded to in Revelation right well whose voice this the, when you when you look at this up here in Revelation it says the voice is the sound of many waters. You put those two things together, that shows something loud and powerful. Voice of many waters, a great multitude. So you put the passage together, it's saying Jesus' voice is authoritative, and it's it's the voice of God. That's the point, because in the Old Testament, the one who's described as having the voice of many waters or in that kind of imagery, it's Yahweh himself. Yes. So again, even it's it's identifying that. It's not saying this dude has a deep, deep voice. I mean, maybe he does have a deep voice, but that's not the point of the passage, right? That's not what it's saying. So it's crazy the way they utilize it. And then right underneath that, let me look at it. Let me show you this last part. <laughs> let me show you this. The apostle John and the prophet Daniel described Jesus Christ as a black man with woolly hair. <laughs> so why does Christianity preach about a Caucasian image of Jesus? Look, I have seen a few, not a ton, but I've seen a few. Way less than the stereotypes uh, suggest. I've seen a few churches with pictures of white Jesus in them. I've seen a few. Um, as of now, I've never heard a Christian preach a sermon about white Jesus I've unless never. it's contradicting that image. Right. So you even find a, a black church with a picture of white Jesus, especially maybe more traditional churches. Although a lot of black churches I see, if they have pictures of Jesus, they got to be they, they got to be in black Jesus. Now <laughs> yeah, that's a, right. that could be a discussion for another time. But the point right. is. It's, they don't even represent us right at all. Christianity preaches about a Caucasian image of Jesus. The straw man, the straw yeah, man argument. <laughs> I, I guess the Christian identity might, the, like the racist guys, but they're not Christian. They right. just call themselves Christian identity, but their identity is to be racist. Right. So, it, and that's just one little section of this, but they snow people over with all this stuff. Don't you know who that is? That's Cesar Borgia. But it's not, by the way, we have images of Jesus that look in this manner prior to the existence of a man named Cesar Borgia. And so it, Cesar Borgia, as they say, is not the model for these anyway. There's maybe one painting that maybe was, but that even that is highly speculative. So they make it, and then they'll show you an image of Jesus prior to the existence of the historical figure, Cesar Borgia, which is actually Cesar Borgia. So my point is, how can 
Chester de Borgia be the model if the very images of some of them that they're showing you, except for the first one, it actually is Caesar Borgia. They show you some of the actual images are prior to Caesar Borgia. <laughs> it can't be. They do this kind of stuff all the time. And it's maddening because it's filled with lies, but they deceive people because they're authoritative. They uh, got the microphone, you know, they know how to shout and all this stuff. Strong and wrong is the doctrine, but people need to be aware. And right. every point they offer can be refuted. Everything that they say that's objectionable, there, there's an answer to. Yeah, you're right. I, I think one of the favorite lines that I've, I've heard from his Hebrew Israelites is cry loud and spare not, you know, Isaiah 58, one. Um, but you never hear him quote the rest <laughs> of the chapter so that we can know what uh, Isaiah is cry, crying loud and sparing not about, you know, right. but they just use it as a soundbite to lead into whatever they want to say about whatever subject. So it's kind of just a, you know, uh, an opening statement. Um, I know that we could, we could talk for hours and you have tons of information um, about this. What are some final thoughts, um, especially for those that, you know, what would you, you tell them that they would need to do? Um, those that encounter uh, the Hebrew Israelites or Hebrew Israelism, um, and they use their bully tactics, you know, over talk you, you know, they will talk on and on and on and on. And you try to get in because you mentioned, you know, trying to find that that way of calming things down um, when they're reading things out of context, you know, using sound bites, uh, uh, you know, clips, cutting and pasting scripture. Um, what, what would you say is, is a way to um, engage that um, if it's a family member. You actually want to reach them. Um, it's a friend that has brought this to you. Um, cause I know somebody yelling and screaming on a street corner, you just, just walk away, you know, but you know, what if it's somebody that's in your house, you know, what if it's a loved one, a friend? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh different, you know, it'll be someone at your job, be a friend. Uh, you know, it's not always someone on the street and that's obviously a different kind of situation. And uh, a big key is learning how to properly use the use of questions. The use of questions. There's a great book called Tactics by Greg Kokel. It's not about Hebrew Islamism or anything like that. But the book is about how to utilize questions to help people think about their assumptions and to keep the conversation moving along in a positive direction, you know. And uh, I think that's a great thing to learn is how to do questions. And You'll have to really work on uh, letting God work on you in regards to uh, the fruit of the spirit, because not all, but a lot of these folks, they really try your patience and people were quick to kind of, um, you know, oh, I'm done here. They won't yeah. listen, but you know, the Lord is patient with us for years. A lot of us before we, we came uh, in, into, into his grace. And um, um, we got people who were patient with us for years and, I mean, uh, if you really, people say love one, if they're really loved, then you'll be patient with them. And you don't know what's going to happen. It, it could be a long time. It could be never, but our job is to be a faithful witness. And, uh, you know, what will we do? What will we do? And so you got to work on those things because a lot of these guys, um, they're basically taught Christians don't know anything. And if they do, it's because they're better at deceiving other people. So generally, they look at you as a Christian. It doesn't matter if you're a pastor or what. They generally look at you as someone who has nothing to offer them 
I'm saying most, not all, um, but a, a lot of people like to kind of taught to think this way, very us versus them. So they could have known you for a long time. It doesn't matter though. They're generally taught to think, oh, you don't really have anything to teach. So let me lecture you. Let me, let me talk to you and uh, tell you what's up. And uh, you, you know, you don't have much to offer there. So you have to kind of get used to, oh, this guy's going to be condescending a lot of the time. Now, again, not all the time, not everyone, but you'll notice certain attitudes get inculcated. But uh, for us Christians, hopefully we're developing, you know, patience and long suffering and kindness and gentleness and love and all that stuff. And so you just got to be ready for that and understand that. Like I had a buddy who was witnessing to Hebrews Light, and this is a guy, this is a private conversation. And Hebrews Light says, man, I hope you don't teach a Bible study anywhere. <laughs> They'll say stuff like that. And my friend's just like, who does help lead a Bible study at his church. He's at a good reformed church, whatever. He just has to keep it moving, you know, because it's like, okay, whatever, bro. Just, that's just kind of – so if you're going to get offended at that, or let's say you, uh, let's say, you know, you're uh, viewed as a different nation than them or something. Like even if you're Nigerian, they th- a lot of the, not all, a lot of them will think you're a member of another nation or something. Or let's say you're Arab, Asian, whatever. So you might have to endure some uh, racial slights. You know, they might – you know, they, there might be some of that there, right? I mean, who wants to hear, oh, yeah, you're going to be servants. It was not going to be slaves, but servants, you know, and someone will say, no, you're going to be slaves. Who, I mean, what? And so you just have to deal with that. But ask the questions and focus on who is God and what is the gospel. Generally speaking, they're going to want to go off into other things. Right. Well, look at this map. This map right here proves it. <laughs> How does that map prove you're in Israel? Even if it was correct, and you're, they, they really will do things. They'll pull out some old map, pull out a picture. Look at this picture. And I just always ask, where's that from? You can find it. Look at it yourself. Where is that from? You can't just like this picture. They, they literally, it's stuff like this happens all the time. Like they'll show you a picture of King James and tell you he's black. And you go to the original image, and this version of the image they have has been compressed and the the di- diameters are wrong. Like it's not the, it's not the actual image of King James. So it looks like something. So they're telling you he King James was a black man and uh, not that this has anything to do with salvation, but this kind of stuff is like frequent with these guys, bad information, bad sources. Now the Christians, we got to do a better job of having good sources and focusing right, on truth. Right. But the key is ask a lot of questions, develop grace, patience, and humility, because uh, a lot of these folks will will test it, and you just kind of have to allow the Holy Spirit to work with you on that and focus on God and the gospel. So don't argue with them forever about if you should celebrate birthdays. I'm not saying you can't say anything, but you right. got to be keep your eye on the ball is all I'm saying. You know, if they don't want to celebrate a birthday, just think, hey, okay, I gotta, I ain't gotta get it nothing. That's fine with me, right? right. Onto the, onto what saves your soul. Onto the big things now, you know. And uh, you're gonna have to learn how to do it, everybody listening, because you're gonna meet these folks because they're growing. And so I don't care if what you think you think what they believe is crazy, it doesn't matter because they're they exist. And if you care about them, you're gonna want to pull them out of this mess. Right. By God's grace. Absolutely. And I definitely appreciate that, you know, and it kind of helps me because those are the things that, you know, I try to share with other people. Um, You know, I was in a debate with the guy and man, he was going in and I had two guys that were part of my church and they're watching me, (laughs) you know, and, you know, I just stay, like you said, I stay calm, let him finish his points. And then every now and then I said, well, hold on, let's take a look at that. You know, I'll say, hey, let, let, let's see. Let's see what that really, you know, that really means. Can we read that? And mm-hmm. they would slow down and we finally read it. And 
I'm able to, you know, kind of converse with them. And if they say something correct, I say that's correct, you know, because not everything they say, right, is wrong. You know, yeah, some of, of the things that they, some of the things they're saying is like, OK, yeah, that's scripture. Well, what's your point? Well, you know, what are you what are you leading towards uh, right. when you make that statement? And so, yeah, I, I think those those are great points. And I think, you know, our audience will, will definitely be able to grow from that. One of the things that I do before I close out my podcast is I ask our guests uh, to just pray for our audience, pray that God would equip them, that bless them um, to be able to engage um, in whatever our topic or conversation is. And so would you be so kind as to uh, pray for our audience that, you know, that God would bless them to be able to engage uh, in this apologia? Yeah, sure. No doubt, brother Anthony. Yeah. All right, let's do this. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the men and women listening to this program today, wherever they are. You know, they have individual hurts and needs. You are the great physician. We, We need you. Our ultimate need is to be made right with you. We've got our sin to deal with. So if someone is hearing this, they're not someone who is in Christ. I pray they would see the fact that they are a sinner and that the only way to have their sin paid for is by Jesus Christ's work on the cross. And so as they believe in their heart that Jesus Christ paid for their sins and then rose again on the third day, and they speak that with their mouth, the Bible says in Romans 10, 9, 10, they will be saved. And then, dear Lord, to those who are believers, I pray that we work this thing out and walk this thing out. And we talked about the fruit of the Spirit. Holy Spirit, please cultivate in our hearts, in our attitudes, in our mind, in our actions, fruit directly from you. Not fruit of the flesh, but fruit of the Spirit. And it looks like us being more patient and loving and kind and gentle. It looks like we're rejoicing with the truth and not rejoicing with error. And it looks like we're humble. And it looks like we put others above ourselves. Help us, Lord. Help us. We want to be like you. We know the Holy Spirit works to have that happen. We want to be ones who are shapeable and moldable because we want our will to conform to yours and not just go our own way. Help us, Lord. We're your disciples. We want to be better, more faithful disciples because, Jesus, you're the only one who is the light of the world, and we want to shine that light. We ask these things in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Bless this podcast. Bless the listeners of the podcast. Amen. Bless you. Bless you. Man, I appreciate your time. I I know this is going to be valuable uh, to the listeners. Uh, Where can people catch up with you, uh, Vocab? I am uh, on YouTube a lot, youtube.com uh, slash vocab Malone. I'm not only there, and sometimes I get strikes and stuff because they don't like when I criticize <laughs> Islam. But when uh, that happens, then instead I take the Facebook Live and I'll do some live streams on Facebook Live. I interview people. I'll do live reaction videos like we recently did a live reaction video where some Hebrews lights were hitting a guy with a stick. And so we did a video where we reviewed it and, you know, we have fun. We'll be like, oh, we got him right in the shoulder. But then we talk about like, you know, what's really going on with what they're saying and stuff. Uh, and so um, YouTube.com slash Facebook.com slash Vocamalone. And uh, I'm on Instagram and Twitter too, but, but um, I talk a lot about Hebrewism, but I'll talk about some other stuff too. Eastern Orthodoxy, kind of a different thing. Islam, as I mentioned before, and uh, Kemet, the Egypt, the Egypt guys, yeah. mm-hmm. and some stuff like that, but it just depends what's going on. But uh, 
catch me on on the on these youtube streets man <laughs> well definitely appreciate your time man um i hope that everybody that listens man you check him out um he apologetic apologia apologetics uh guy who like you said takes on a lot of subjects um today we talked about hebrew israel israelism um but you'll be able to catch him uh, um, talking about a lot of stuff uh, to my listeners. Uh, remember, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Um, love your neighbor as yourself. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting uh, the Love Thy Neighbor Podcast Net- Network. Go to Love Thy Neighbor uh, Podcast Network dot and you can get uh, a hold of more resources. Uh, this this will be there as far and man, a lot of stuff we post on there. Uh, come visit us. God bless you. If you're watching this on YouTube, please subscribe. It'll help us out a lot. Hit that uh, like button, that bell, so you can get some of these alerts. Uh, well, God bless you. Uh, Till next time, we'll see you soon. Peace.